0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kipalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We've got the kiln fired up. We've got the furnace prepped. We're about to unsheath the laser fire of Torah. Yes, Rizch Risa is coming your way. But first, if you own a retail business and accept credit cards, your customers are getting points, miles, and all sorts of rewards every time they use their card and you're paying the price that's why NRS pay a product of National Retail Solutions a division of the IDT Corporation offers its cash discount program feebuster you can start accepting credit cards for free if your business processes over $18,000 a month you pay no monthly fee and $0 out of your pocket for transaction This means you as a retailer can enjoy the benefits of accepting plastic and your customers still get those crucial miles they crave and need. NRS Pay Fee Buster provides every client with a free credit card reader with no long-term contract, no early termination fee, cancel anytime without a penalty. I'm personally familiar with this company and they truly stand by their product and they'll help you with live stateside-based customer service on any issue or question. Visit nrspay.com or call 833-289-2767 to learn more about NRS Pay and the fantastically fair Fee Buster. If it's the second day of Sivan, this must be Da Raisa. I'm here with Yosef Gavriel Bechoffer. You know, today we're going to do things a little bit different. I'm going to act more like some of Yosef gabriel's friends think the interviewer, um, the guy who talks to you in the program, I'm going to be that person today instead of being what I really am. And because I really think I need to be. It was a shtick of a thunderbolt to me about 10 days ago that I saw the about oh, the death of Mattis Greenblatt. Remember really Mattis Greenblatt. Uh Mattis Greenblatt was someone who I think changed in many ways the level, the tone, the con content of the conversation in terms of Jewish Orthodox thinking about Hashgopha, about Halacha. He was the literary editor of Jewish Action, which is an understatement about how he changed what was a four-little-page throwaway insert that they used to send over to the jewels into a glossy, real magazine. Jewish Action was especially the way Matis was able to reestablish it and be able to basically form it and be the driving force. The, in, in television terms, you would say he was a showrunner. He believed in it. He got the talent to get involved. And throughout the years that he served till 2014, however many times it came out, you knew that you would get in every issue at least two or three weighted essays that would actually not preach to you. They would not be... You know, it wasn't just some pedagogic excuse to tell people how to act for them. It was actually, uh, it would actually stir ideas. Uh, He was willing to go out on a limb in so many ways, whether it was about re-examining the morale. I can just tell you that Rav and I started our connection with him about the same time. I have tremendous harota that I did not continue the way Rabbi Yosef did. I'm not going to say that I'm so so overwhelmed by what you contributed all the time, but he was out there trying to get young talent, trying to get people involved. He was really the consummate editor and friend. And I know that you saw in him a kindred spirit, and you were an important person in terms of contributing. So talk a little bit about your connection to Mathis Greenblatt and in 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 the way you see his
1: importance my my first contribution was a letter to the editor which uh I wrote in response to uh schubert Spiro's review of Rabbi Norman Lamb's Torah schma and he uh, was incredibly and it was a long letter and turned into a significant issue with the review it was a a long letter and he helped me say things which uh, in a way which uh I probably would not have come to on my own. I definitely would not have come to my own because he edited the letter after I wrote it. And it was an exchange of ideas concerning what means, what's Toru Mada, what's him Mderich Eretz, and his uh, own uh, insights, which were extraordinarily broad, diverse, and profound, which uh, helped me to hone that letter. Later, I had many, many experiences with him.
0: And I want to say, say over two very interesting ones. Before you go, I just want to highlight how unique that was. Because normally, this was not going to be a feature article. This was a letter to the editor. And what he wanted to do was, instead of chop it up and present it in his own way, he worked with you to help fine-tune your letter. And There's many people who write letters to whatever magazine it is, and and the editorial board reserves the right to Basically, you know, edit it and chop it up. He respected you. You were a young person, but he knew that you, that you had something a talmud chacham, and he wanted to work with you. He he was he wanted it to be you, and he wanted you to be happy with it, and he wanted to help you formulate your thoughts in a way that they would be a דבר even though it was just in the letter section Absolutely. of the magazine. And I think that and, and that is really something incredible, really incredible.
1: Yeah, I want to show one thing that shows the. Um... The pressures he faced, and what he had to deal with in his efforts to put out quality product, dealing with the powers that be, is that he uh, he asked me once to write a review article on, about please for him about Rabbi Yoshe and uh, one of them was the Nefesh Sharraf and I wrote there in the article that there are three controversial things which uh, one can uh, one, should one should highlight, which you know, perhaps are not in line. With what is standard. The first one I wrote was kind of like a throwaway one, which is the Rekhaim Brisker Hell that if you didn't say Yalav Yobo and Chakras on the Shkodesh, if you die Musaf in the same Maimon, you don't go, don't repeat Chakras over again. So, because the Musaf mentioning Yalav Yobo is part of the same, I guess, Keps of Tila, that already is enough to be to retroactively make your Tila good, even though you didn't mention Yalab Yobo explicitly. Uh, the next one was that Nebuchadnezzar Rabbis brought down that women didn't have to cover their hair. And the third one, which I brought down, was that the Rav held that all schools should have been separated into their genders. Not like Maimonides in Boston, where which is mixed. That that was not the Chatechilla, there should be separate schools. And uh, Mattis felt very strongly that he could not publish that as is because he had, would cause tremendous uh, pushback from his uh, administration. And in the end, I I, suggested I take out those lines, but I didn't want to take them out. In the end, he didn't publish it. And I'm I'm not showing from that to anything about the editing per se, although, of course, he helped me there too, but that he was functioning under tremendous limitations. Tremendous difficulty, and the fact they managed to produce these great articles and great issues, and Jewish Jackson that he did, is a credit to how he was able to use finesse and his special acumen and understanding of what the, what the what was acceptable to his bosses and what is not.
0: Let me let me set a little bit of uh, for our listeners to to understand. Uh, Rav Yeshayahu for years, even in the, from the fifties in Mizrahi and beyond, had become somewhat of a uh, of a getchke, uh, in other words who was uh, unassailable and we all know that Rav Yosheber, and this is i think part of what the reason matters uh, reached out to you was a person of so many contradictions and so many different types it was almost impossible to to pin him down as in terms of what he was and i think later in jewish action i think recently they, i did although i didn't read the article i saw that it was about the many phases of the Rov. Uh, and may, maybe that sounds a little bit better. But I, I think between the two of us and between our listeners, I think we need to, to say the great Talmudic mind of the 20th century, the, the most brilliant thinker in, in Gemara learning that, you know, that you know in the last in the last hundred years. But still a person that was not easy to pigeonhole and a person who many times spoke and told people things they wanted to hear. But in his heart and his mind and in terms of other things, he wasn't that person. Therefore, it, sh- it would shake the tree, as you were saying, uh, for people to hear that Rav Ber was not who people thought, th- who they wanted to be. They needed him. The, the 1950 Mizrahi needed him. The, the modern Orthodox needed to be able to put on their banner uh, his face to represent, you see, this is, this is oh, you have a Moshe Weinstein? We have his cousin, Rav Ber Salavechik, who towers over everyone uh, in terms of his height and also in terms of his mind. And therefore, we can't let that image fade. That image cannot be uh, become something else. And I think what your article was trying to do was trying to chip away and trying to t- get to Raviosha Bear's you know, at least reveal aspects different aspects of who he was, to take Raviosha Bear away from the OU, which at that time. Was still very much, you know, this is the aristocracy of modern orthodoxy. Was almost like, what are you going to do? You can't take away. Uh, it's like it's like going to Mount Rushmore and you know replacing Lincoln with Trump. You 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 couldn't do that. <laughs> you had to have Lincoln's face on Mount Rushmore. Or Yerusha has to be who he has to be the great Joseph Berdov Soloveitchik. And I think that's part of the reason, why you say, Matas was was dealing with that pressure. But you got to give him credit. Yeah, and let's talk. about But some of your other ones.
1: Once I published this, actually, this is not what I wanted to mention next, but uh, once I published a review article which reviewed a book negatively, and uh, the author of the book was very, very furious. The author of the book wrote to me, uh, wrote to Rematis, a very scathing reply. And this is, he said, he was upset, and I quote, that his book was to demonstrate the logic foundations of modern orthodox behavior. So, therefore, he complains about the review. Why is it that no congregational rabbis were selected for the task? Was it the belief I, I m- of the editor? Remember,
0: because you were Rosh Kolel. Because you were. That's you were, you the were next R- line. Kowell. Yes. That was it. Yes.
1: Was it the belief of the editor that only a Rosh Koelik
0: yes, had the ability that.
1: to review Torah? Or the Jewish action which demonstrated that only a Koelik could pass judging the modern Orthodox real life Torah problems? <laughs> How please such a bias does not reflect the posture of the OU?
0: Boy, you know what? Once again, I mean, this guy was a snake because here he was, you know, instead of trying to respond to your points, what he did was he turned it into a political thing where now the, crit- the critical, the, the critic is really guilty. Like, you know, always blame the other guy for being a, a, a politician. Right. The critic is really guilty because he's just kowtowing to trying to push the modern Orthodox guy and the the hegemony of the Coyle guys over everything. Right. OK.
1: He says. I am a loyal devotee of the Orthodox Union. I'm a member of its National Board of Directors. I was the first recipient of whatever rabbinic award, a former chairman of a national dinner, a former program chairman of a national convention, formerly also chairman of its publications. So I'm no newcomer to its cause. My concern is to enhance the stature of the OU. Sometimes the crystallization requires the services of a Socratic gadfly, even one that lives in wherever he lives.
0: So, Ma, but here was Matas again. You know, despite all the this fellow's the weight that this guy threw around, Matas was ready to publish did, something he that he wasn't. Did, he,
1: did, he just ignored the letter.
0: He published the letter, though, right? No, he didn't
1: publish the letter. Oh, he excerpted the excerpt, a few little things from it, but he didn't actually publish.
0: I remember that of thing. Yeah, I
1: when I published uh, that article by Avramaya Kaplan, and Jewish Action was the favorite of both of them, uh, mine and um, Of course, he was a Chaim kind of winner and uh, he was very much uh, a, a, a very much popular with the Reb Avraham Melia. And he, I quoted a certain person in the footnotes. He refused to publish that person's name in Jewish Action. The person still alive. I don't want to say his name, but he said this person is a maneuver. How can you possibly quote his name in an article by Reb Avraham Melia?
0: There, there, you know, again, when we talk about Mantis Greenblatt, Ramatis Greenblatt's the the his breadth of knowledge that was contained in a package of modesty that was that was incredible. I mean, look, he was a classmate, the Ravard Lichtenstein, a so kind of a brocha. And by the way, it's through him that Ravard Lichtenstein wrote his, I would say, very important articles in Jewish action. And it was through the Matas-Greenblatt-Ravarn-Lichtenstein connection that Ravarn-Lichtenstein, after the Rav's death, was really reintroduced to the American world, because he was in Eretz Yisrael doing his thing, as a major thinker and also a major Yuri Shamayim and a a Medakhtik Benitzvist. I mean, Matas was responsible in many ways for giving the modern Orthodox community Another tzaddik, another person who they can look up to and emulate, not just use as a, a cudgel to say, oh, we've got Ravard Lichtenstein. They could actually be inspired by Ravard Lichtenstein and what he stood for and the life that he led and what he was about. And I think that's again, I don't think Lichtenstein Beteva would not have had an interest in doing that. I think he was responding uh, to Matis Greenblatt's uh, reaching out to him. But my, my point is, he was many years older than both of us. And I remember when he called, I, I thought he was just like my age, right? like I go, maybe five, ten years older. And he wanted me to review three Svarim of Rav Kook. And I told him that, you know, I, I told him at the time that I, I you wanted me to review Enaya? You wanted me to to review this book? I said, I, I agree that I love the Sefer, but I need to, uh, and there was also other nukes of him that came out. Maybe it was Shemonya Kavatsim or something that my, my friend Rabbi Saul Noor published. And he wanted me to, to review these books. And I said, I believe to be a book reviewer, you need to be an expert in the complete urva of that person. I said, Rav Cook, I, I can tell you what I think about these pieces, but I, how can I honestly review them? Because there's so much of our cook that I don't have not yet learned and don't even understand to be able to put this into perspective. I think he respected that, but he still encouraged me to do it anyway. I, and I didn't. I, 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 I regret that. Maybe it was my old, you know, my procrastination gene kicking in. But, you know, I, I remember that conversation I had with him and he was trying to give me physics and say, look, you think everybody that reviews a book is like an expert in everything that, that person wrote? I mean that that was my sense. I said, "Well, I think so, Mantis. I think that's what you should be. Otherwise, the review is really—it's very myopic." My point is, he spoke to me like an equal, whereas it was clear that he was a a person of of, of great breadth and depth. It really is incredible to find people like him. I think you know Nissen Walpen had a similar type of personality in some ways. Nissen Walpen came on pretty tough when he needed to be, and he was, um, I, I think, you know, also a wonderful thinker, and educator, and an idea person. Um, I, I think Matthias Greenblatt was was even really open to so much more. And his break right, you know. was
1: much, yeah. Listen, he was he was extraordinarily broadly uh, educated.
0: I, I think. Let me put it this way: Nissen Walpen smiled and was happy, you know, when I would bring up something a little bit off the beaten path. Mattes Greenbelt was someone who actually was very familiar with everything <laughs> including many of the, the, the most obscure type of sources and other things like that and he he wasn't like oh I'm the muse that you want to write about that. He he knew where he was what he was talking about in, in these areas.
1: Yeah. It was, uh, he really had uh, knowledge of every trend, every uh, sector Every philosophy in class, in Amisov, you know. and uh, yeah, he uh, obviously was a Nechbala Kalin it was really not well known beyond the uh the people who were in the know different uh much more than Rabbi warpin okay the many things he wouldn't publish necessarily, but he wasn't under pressure from some other from different uh, uh uh, well, again, this is
0: really the difference. I mean, one could make the case, you know, if you would be writing the history of important English magazines, uh, intellectual type magazines of the 20th and 21st century, I think you'd probably have to have a a a chapter about the Jewish observer and Jewish action, talk about the difference between the two. I think Nissen Wolpen was able uh, to be mitzamtzem himself because I used to, I know, I knew him uh, very well. Oh, and I used to eat at his house, and talk with him and, and other things. And he knew that he had to work for the Aguda. I think he still was willing to, in a very chachmedic way, open up the magazine to other types of ideas, you know, pushing it the not nah, just a little bit. Look, w- w- you know, sort of, you know, in, in the way Rav Buhlman would have done. And, uh, you know, but, but it was still very much, you know, within the, the party lines and the camp. I mean, witness what happened. Happened When the Mendelssohn article came out that my friend Avi Schaffer wrote, uh, you know, they had to do mea culpa's uh, for even even writing. it. I mean, I mean, the Novav Broch and others, you know, <laughs> boy, they took a, a giant size bat and, 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 and was going to hack it to pieces. Jewish action would never have had that problem. One of the things I thought was was again, I didn't I didn't go through the magazine. I'm sorry. But I know that they decided, and I think I think in this way they were different than, than the Jewish Observer, they were willing to have a number of different voices about a topic. I think they still did that. Didn't you contribute to the Rokhain Kanievsky uh, Memorial art, uh, Magazine? Yes, well, that, uh,
1: that was after, after Matos. I know
0: right? Matos was gone, I understand. But I'm saying he was able to establish a... a you know the 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 four hundredth anniversary of the Maral's death. Okay, so we're going to have many articles about the Maral, and it's from different type of writers and from people with different types of perspectives. And I think that this type of symposium—that's what the magazine would be. It wouldn't just be like you know, you know, like Ola Menu. Like, okay, here's here's your one view, and that's what it's going to be, which is which is still the case. In many, you know, Jewish publications, he was willing to have somewhat of a multiplicity of voices and perspectives. Yes, they were technically dealing with different aspects, but I think, you know, I think that was something that speaks to what I believe is real learning and real discussion and let the reader come to conclusions based on the various ideas that they were, were seeing there. Uh, look, you know, the, the Jewish Action is always playing catch up. Nobody wants to spend money on something. They're always giving away. Don't they? Didn't they give away at least one or two for free per year, right? Yeah, right.
1: and every show, they always sure they have many they have free copies.
0: Right. So again, unlike you know other magazines like you know Mishpoch and other things that you know they've got thousands and thousands of paid subscribers. You know, Jewish Action because they were backed by the OU. The OU felt they had to, in many ways. You know, give you know these free copies away, and I think that, in a way, popularized it, spread it to to many many areas. But I'm not I'm not exactly sure if um it was always good for the brand or not. We talk about you know, Matas. We don't know exactly how old he was, but you know where Matas was that clearly passed We understand that. You know, I know that he has not been well over the last couple of years. There are um tributes. The, the tributes to him, I think, are quite paltry from what I've seen, um, and I'm very surprised about it. To tell you the truth, I mean, we we here we are ten days after his patira. I haven't seen, you know, major tributes coming out to him, which I think are, which I think are definitely deserved, because cause in so many ways, I think you know, I'll tell you just from d you know, my daughter, uh, when I bring in mishpacha and ami <laughs> every yontif, she has a field day. Laughing and taking and taking them apart, and being—I mean, she's you know, she's she's wonderfully, you know, uh, critical and, and showing. You know, she says, "Ah, well, Jewish Action—that that's the one that you know she can read and look into." And I think there's many young men and women like her that Jewish Action fills a very important need. Not everybody can spend you know three hours reading you know a hakira article about Ramesha Salavichik you know, uh, proto-history before he came to to University. There's a talent I think Matus Greenblatt uh, embodied, which was having something that can be read in one sitting, but leave the reader with uh, a real difference, a sense of of wonderment that he did not know before. And uh, I don't know if Matus worked with you on all your footnotes or not, but I think that's it. Yeah, yeah,
1: Baruch L'Abbish Haksanah.
0: So I think that's also, you know, incredible. You know, he, you could always leave the magazine around and go back and see the notes that, that that could take you for further learning and understanding. I think, you know, the YU's go-to that they put out, I think, in many ways owes a lot to to Jewish Action and what what Greenbutt Greenblatt was doing. It's really uh, obviously, you know, they tried to fill the vacuum afterward, and I, and I suppose Matas was probably happy with it. You know, it's. Themes, and again, I only say this uh, as, as a person who's had family members who have been suffering the same way. Um, there are a number of very heartbreaking, heart wrenching videos of Matthias's family uh, singing with him together, singing the car.: uh, uh, We should mention that
1: Matas was, besides so being about Isur in his last years, he also had the tragedy of losing a child in a, fi- in a house fire. Was- yeah, so he was, sort and I think it was great, I think it was a
0: of that. Yeah, and, and again, if anybody really you know needs some heseders, and you know, again, we talk about heroray Chuva before. You know, is also a madil. You can see some of the videos of Matis surrounded by his loving family uh, singing the him, and despite his 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 clearly diminished physical state, uh, joining in with them uh, singing. And I think it was uh, probably. Vid- videos that were made for his grandchildren that were here in America. They called Singing Masaba. Um it's, it's in a public domain. It's in public there on YouTube. So I, I mentioned that. And I, I think one can get be misogynied by Matas's strength, uh, his participation, uh, despite everything that, you know, the physical externality, you can see uh, and, be, and be moved by the, his power, the power of his soul, the purity of his soul. Uh, someone that was really an, a, a tremendous aveda. His or are legion. Whether it's the, the 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 modern Orthodox, and even I think the the yeshiva Welt, who have to begrudgingly pick up the magazine and see, hey, you know, here's another point of view. Here's something that uh, we can't dismiss. And maybe even he has those schus and ganeden of giving Rabbi Yosef Gabriel Bechoffer. Uh, some of his first English stages uh, to be able to uh, you know, wow the world. That's um, yeah,
1: yeah. definitely that, that letter to the editor was my beginning.
0: Yes. And from there, it yeah. was. From there was that review. There was, there, review was which... no stopping, no stopping him. So I forgive you, Ravmatis, and your Ganaden for <laughs> for that. I know Being that you a monster. <laughs> I, I know that you're a Latayev, and I know that you tried very much to. In your way,
1: me
0: in I'm going to try to continue your work to keep uh, Rabbi Yisrof Kavuriel let, letting his own uh, ego get in his own way. But we shall, we shall see what we get. But really, uh, Obviously, we at Rizcha extend the to all the the immediate family. You know, it was it was he was a, a tzaddik and Be well, guys. We'll see everybody after after Yonta. Take care. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of New Work at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.